Well, this morning I'm continuing our series that I've been doing on the sufficiency of God's grace or the sufficiency of grace. And today, um, I'll see if I need that chair later, but for right now we'll let it go. Um, the divine character, the sufficiency of grace in us to produce a divine character. Now, uh, character is basically the mental, moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So the mental and moral qualities that we have in making decisions and how we carry ourselves, um, you know, do you ever meet somebody you can't trust? <laughs> that they, you know, whatever they do, you just don't know, well, that's. character of the person that has um, perhaps assimilated into the children and so on. But what we're trying to do or what we want to do is to understand what God's character is. What, what is. what is the character of God like? And what we are trying to be reflective of. What God asks us to do, it's reflect who he is. And to have him, have God, um, give us the strength, the grace, the mercy to be able to be that person. Now, of course, you can't do it on your own. If we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need God. Uh, we can't save ourselves from sin. We need Christ, his salvation. So we, we have Christ and his, uh, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ shed for our sins. We have the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he, his spirit in us, we're quickened. So we have hope of eternal life. So we have all of these things. I won't say we have them all, but we have these things in place in our faith and in our understanding. Well, the uh, scripture that we've been using, of course, is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, and I'll start at verse 9. Uh, this is Paul. Because of the extravagance of these revelations. Now, Paul has had numerous experiences with God, all right? Paul had the, we think of the Damascus Road experience in which he's um, knocked to the ground and Christ appears to him and how that he has this, revelation that Jesus is alive. And so we, we see that happening on the Damascus Road. But the revelations and the, the insight that Paul has received from Christ, he, doesn't even, he can't even write them down. There's so many of them and so powerful that God says, these are for you <laughs> and for you only to understand. And you don't write these down. So he says, because of the extravagance of these revelations... And so I won't get a big head. <laughs> this is the Message Bible. I won't get a big head. I have given the gift, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Now, we would think that God would not want us to be in touch with our limitations. <laughs> you know, we would think that, uh, God, if you're going to do something, well, you know, get us in touch with our PowerPoints, you know. Get us in touch with our uh, our, our, our strengths, not in touch with our weaknesses. But what God is trying to, I think, what God is trying to impress upon us, we all have weaknesses. And we have weaknesses in areas of our abilities, but we have also weaknesses in the areas of our character. You know, we have character flaws. We have character marred, marred in some way. And... The challenge is for us not to think of our character flaws as a handicap, 
but to think of these as areas where God wants to make us stronger, where we need the strength of God to become our strength. And so Paul says, um, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. So when, when, when we are reminded of our faults, when we are reminded of our sins, and that's not God. If God. When God reminds us of something, he convicts us and brings us to a place of repentance. The, the enemy of our soul, our old man, <laughs> the old nature, wants us to quit, wants us to give up, wants us to look at ourselves as defeated and discouraged and not good enough. Well, those thoughts are not God's. So anytime you would think you're not good enough, <laughs> you're not going to make it, or it's impossible, those aren't God's thoughts. God brings us to a place of repentance and, and going forward, that we are part, we're, we're all wounded. You know, I used to, um, I heard the story this morning, and I, I mentioned it in Sunday school, where in the um, movie Black Hawk Down, the helicopter that was shot down, um, I, I know, know one of the surgeons that was there, and uh, anyhow, the, in the movie, it talks about how that they're all taking fire and the uh, leader is telling the soldier to get into the Humvee and get out of here. And the soldier holds up a, a his hand that's half shot off and he says, I'm wounded. And the, the commander says, we're all wounded. Get in the Humvee and go. And the analogy is, in the spiritual realm, we're all wounded. There isn't anybody who hasn't been wounded. You know, we've all been wounded in one way or another, some greater, some less, but that's not the point. We go on from here. <laughs> you know, we get in the Humvee and move on. You can't live there, you'll die there. And God doesn't want us to live in our past. He doesn't want us to be reliving our past. He doesn't want the past to be anchoring us to something that is long gone. God wants us to move forward. God wants us to go forward with him because there's something greater that God has for us than what just happened or what happened 20 years ago. We need to forgive and let it go. Forgive and move on. You know, it's time to move. It's time to get out of here. It's time to get out of danger. You see, evil wants us to stay in a place that will destroy us. God wants us to move to a place in him where we are safe, where God's protection is there and God's love is there. And, you know, we may still have all the turmoil going on around us, but we have a sense of peace in our mind and our heart that this is okay. God is, going to take, God is taking care of me. That's my weakness. God will make us strong. So no longer, no, no danger then of walking around high and mighty because he's, you know, when we go back here, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What in fact, did, what in fact um, he did was push me to my knees. <laughs> the limitations bring us to our knees. In our knees, we are searching for God's strength to help us. You know, if we're trying to answer the question why, we're not going to know that until we reach eternity. I don't know why things happen the way they do, but we have God who is with us to take us on from here. Paul says there's no danger of walking around high and mighty. You know, I don't want to get a big head over all the revelations, so I've got this, these things that bring a balance to my life. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough, it's all you need. 
My strength comes into its own in your weakness. See, we would like for God to come in and give us all the strengths that we need, but we don't do this on our own. We can't get to heaven on our own. You know, I, I, going back to what we mentioned, I don't know, when I first started this whole series, is that Christ died, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He purchased our salvation on the cross. He rose from the dead. God presents to us salvation and forgiveness. And the scripture that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Well, God presents this to us. And we open the door to be receptive of his salvation. Now, when we receive that, we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. We have this whole perspective on life that changes. Now, all of the promises that God has, you know, the promise that, uh, that his grace is sufficient for us, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ, that, um, well, every need he shall provide, you know, on all the abundance of Christ. God presents this to us, and all of those promises are presented. What we're doing then is opening the door to each of them and asking and receiving them into our life. Just as forgiveness was brought into our life by asking and praying and thanking, so too all of the other promises are brought to us. So the sufficiency of grace is that God has given to us, not because of merit, unmerited favor. God loves each of us the same. Okay? God loves each of us the same. But you see, I'm his favorite child. <laughs> but so are you. You know? And if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> My picture would be on it. <laughs> all right? So all of that is in place that God loves me, he remembers me, he, you know, he has me in this special place. My grace is sufficient. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and, and this is just kind of setting up for what I want to say. Huh? Imagine that. Um, Hebrews 13, 5, and I'll read it. Well, it says, let your character, your moral essence, your, let, you know, this essence of who you are, your inner nature, let your character be free from the love of money. <laughs> um, we can also, and this specifically says money, but it's the idea of being greed, greedy. Being content with what you have, for he said, I will never under any circumstance desert you. You see, the idea of finding our place of security. And in, in the book of Hebrews here, he's giving this, giving this idea, we find security in things. We find security in money, bank accounts, whatever. Uh, but he's saying, don't allow yourself to be greedy about what you think will keep you safe. God is telling us that he will provide all of our needs. And if we look at this, God is saying to us, my grace is sufficient for you. My character, God is saying, divine character, your character, is to be reflective of God. And God is all sufficient for my need, whether it be financial, physical, spiritual, relational, that God has brought this to me. And so in my prayer, in my communion with God, I find God speaking to me 
about the need of my life. I don't have to tell him, you know, God, I'd like to inform you as to what's going on. <laughs> and, you know, it's like he doesn't know. And we're, we're basically wasting our time telling him what's going on and what we think he should do. But what we can do is share our thoughts with our friend and allow our friend to speak with us about his word and how that word fits my life. So, message, then we go to that God is my provider. His abundance has no limits. His grace has no measure. So, it's just boundless. So, if we move to Luke chapter 15, this is the prodigal son. And Luke chapter 15 has three, basically three illustrations. The parable of the lost sheep, you know, where there's the hundred and one is lost and the shepherd goes out for the ninety and nine. And then the other is the lost coin. There are ten coins and one of them is lost and the lady searches for them. Now, this is Jesus giving us a heads up on what the father is like. Okay? Jesus is telling us, okay, this is what God the father is like. He is searching, he is longing, he, he desires to bring in those who are lost. Now, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them, and the Amplified says inappropriately, said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. I want what's mine. Now, the young man decided that he was going to take off with the wealth of his father, uh, you know, that was, that was his. He wasn't supposed to get this until his father died, okay? But he's not waiting for, his, he's not waiting for the old man to kick the bucket. He wants his money now. <laughs> That's a joke. Okay. All right. So, thank you. You got to pull it out of you sometimes, you know. You wait for me to kick the bucket so he can get out of church. I don't know. I'm not going there. But anyhow. Um, anyhow, so he, 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 he wanted it. Now, I want to skip to the very end. And then I'll come back. You go to the very end of the story. And the older brother, the older brother is all upset about, you know, the, the, the younger brother coming back. And the father tells the older brother, all that is mine is yours. Okay? Now, we think about who we are in Christ. God is telling us this story. He is using this story to tell us all that is mine is yours. Now, the younger brother, he thinks that if he can get the wealth, half, you know, his portion of the wealth of his father, he can go off on his own. He don't have any rules. He, don't have, he can go make his own life. He can do what he wants. And it's as if what his father owns, he can take and he can use it the way he wants to. But the whole story is all that the father has is already mine. I am taking something that already belongs to me. <laughs> and if we don't understand that what God has for us, we don't have to take, we need to open our hearts to be receptive of it. 
that God isn't trying to get us, oh, well, look what's wrong with me now. I, got, I, I, I want this and I want that and these are my needs in my life and he, you know, all this tension and pressure. God doesn't have tension and pressure. God is at peace. And he gives to us the need of our hearts and lives. And the challenge is he wants us to understand that everything that is God's is ours. Okay? Now, if that is the picture, why do I need to worry? Why do I need to be greedy? Why do I have to hoard things in? Because if I, you know, God wants to bless me so that I can bless others. If we're going to tear down our barns to build bigger barns, then we, haven't, we don't understand the whole thing that God is trying to do here for us. He says, give me, give me the share of the property that falls to me. Paul says to Timothy, this is a scripture that I found that kind of fits here. It says, but those who are financially and ethically crave to get rich with a compulsive, greedy longing for wealth fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. <laughs> kind of fits the prodigal son here, doesn't it? You know, so Paul writes to Timothy, and he, he tells him about this whole idea of trying to get, get wealth and you know, going off and doing our own thing. So, verse 13. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. So we got an idea. He took off. He took off for where? He took off for Sin City. He was, going to, he was going to live it up. He was going to do whatever he wanted to do. No rules. Anybody ever wish that as a teenager? <laughs> no rules. Guess what happens when there are no rules? <laughs> we, yeah. Chaos, chaos, delusions. We get caught up in things that destroy us because we haven't got enough sense to understand where we're at and where we came from. And sometimes our, you know, but it's, it, you know, one of the challenges, we make, we often make decisions based on our experiences, the problem is we can't live long enough to experience everything. <laughs> the challenge is that God has given us his word to help us understand what happens with wrong decisions and wrong choices. So we're learning from the scriptures. These things have happened as an example for us. That's what the Bible tells us. That when you read the Old Testament, read the scriptures, and think, these things have happened for an example. You read these things and understand where they came from. Now, remember this, that the Holy Spirit that inspired the writers is the same Holy Spirit that inspires us to read it. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean that we have total knowledge of the whole Bible because then you'd have a fat head and be more than a sticker on a wall. <laughs> How many know what that means? <laughs> those of you who don't know fat heads are big stickers that you stick on the wall and they're football players baseball players and whatever my grandson has bunches of them all over the wall <laughs> so that's how I know all right so life is better someplace else 
<laughs> All been there, done that. <laughs> you know, life is better someplace else. <laughs> I have to do this on my own. Well, the prodigal son, he learned out, he learned where greed and selfish, selfishness was, ended up being a destructive to his character and to his life. So divine character is a reflective of the reflection of the character of Christ. And we need, and what we're trying to do is to see what that character is like, the character of Christ, character of God. So now when he had spent everything, so there's always, <laughs> there are always outcomes, there's always consequences. We don't like consequences, but there is. There's always consequences, good and bad. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. God's blessing comes to those who pray, and some of those who, you know, don't believe in God, they get blessed just as a side effect. All right, remember? Uh, an arid land, water's, water's a high commodity. So, now they spent everything. The guy, okay, the, the, the prodigal son, he spent everything. Now, sooner or later, if you don't have income, and all you got is exit. <laughs> uh, we can use our charge cards. <laughs> I, you know, my, my nephew, when he was little, um, he's now in his 40s, maybe 50s. <laughs> uh, when he was little, <laughs> he, wanted a, he wanted a MasterCard for Christmas. <laughs> so that's what he wanted. He wanted a MasterCard. I said, why do you want a MasterCard? He says, I can go buy anything I want. Don't have to pay for it. <laughs> He's got this little card. <laughs> That's a true story. All right. But anyhow, so reality where life comes in terms with what is what has happened. So this is what happens to the guy. He spends all of his money, and a famine occurred in the land, and he began to do without and be in need. All the friends he had when he had everything became, they lost him whenever he had nothing. So there are consequences to our actions. Always are consequences. But there are always, there are rewards, okay? But we'll go on. Um, so an attitude is where life, outlook, decisions, the people we've chosen as friends, <laughs> our faith, our belief, that develops our character. And sometimes we have to fall upon, come upon, run into hard times. And then we have to decide is where I've been, and what I've done or where I need to be and where I can go. See, divine character knows God and his provisions. Divine character, I know that God, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto us. That no matter, there is nothing that God, there is no good thing will God withhold from us. So here we are in this position, all that I possess is yours. So, prodigal says, he went on. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens. <laughs> you want to know how low people will go? You know, when you've chosen the wrong place, you know, just look in the news. You know, drug abuse. Um, selling yourself, your life. Robbing from anybody and everybody. These, the habits that are in our society and the, the, the things that go on, 
um, they destroy us. They destroy lives. And this is what happened to this. He forced himself upon one of the citizens. This guy didn't even need him, but he wanted to feed his pigs so that perhaps he could eat what the pigs didn't. You see, there are consequences to our actions. Now, we're looking at a divine character. Divine character is I want to be reflective of God, and God allows us to make our decisions and to make our choices and to decide where we're going to go with our life, and he wants us to choose rightly. <laughs> choose which way is right. Choose that which is good. And it, do, it has consequences. It has difficulties. But you have to choose how much time is left. You have to choose with what you're going to do with your own time. So, he would have gladly eaten the corn cobs that the pigs were eating. Now, one, one version has this, that um, the pigs were more valuable than the guy, and he couldn't even eat the pig's food. He had to eat what the pigs left. So that's pretty far down. So when he finally, and this is it, he came to a census, an aha moment, <laughs> an aha moment, my father, my father, my father has servants that are better treated than this. There was a young man, he was, uh, went to a church camp, he never had any, you know, any religious background, but one of his friends uh, took him to a church camp, and when he got there, he saw that there was this big trophy, and the trophy was for the person who memorized the most scripture. So this young man who was very athletic, very talented, he said, I'm going to win the trophy, very competitive. So he learns all of these scriptures and wins the trophy. And he takes the trophy home, and he never goes to church. He hasn't been to church before, doesn't go back. But when he is playing uh, football, and uh, he's in, I think he's in his first or second year of college, and he's playing football, he has a massive coronary. He's in the hospital, hanging between life and death. And what does he remember? He remembers the scriptures he learned in church camp. <laughs> and those scriptures come to him and they give him life. <laughs> and he's able, and he recovers. And he now is a minister and travels around the country preaching and teaching about what happened to him and how God has changed his life. You see, the Word of God is something that it, it takes our character and, and it molds us and we're reflective of what God is trying to do, to, uh, do in us. Not force us, but that the life circumstances that we face, God is there to work with us. God is there to inspire and to lead. And so the aha moment for this individual, the prodigal, is my, my father has servants that are better off than this. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. So what path do we need to take? What decisions do we need to make that will change our life? Well, what is the aha moment? What is it that we want to leave and where is it that we want to go? Where do you want to go with this whole idea? Where do you want to go with your life and how are we going to get there? You see, we make these decisions in, you know, in the intercessory prayer that we spoke of that there is a goal, there is something specific that I want. There's a specific 
prayer that I'm, be- I'm believing for. And so I make that as a decision between God and I to help me, Lord, to reach this goal. Help me, Lord, to go this path. Give me the strength that I need to work this out. See, we would like for God, oh, boom, you know, boom, snap the fingers and everything changes and everything's wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't work that way because then we wouldn't learn and we wouldn't grow and we wouldn't develop this character. So I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of the hired men. Now this is Jesus telling us about God the Father. Okay? So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him. And this is the only time in the Bible where God is pictured as running. Jesus is telling the story. God the Father is running to the one who is lost. (laughs) So, the presentation of God. He comes to us. God is not willing that any perish. God is not willing that any of us fail. He's not willing for us (laughs) to lose it all. He wants for us to realize that he loves us. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. Imagine that. How do we come to God? God, I have sinned. There's a repentance. There is a repentance of our former life and there is an acceptance of where we need to go. But rather than God looking at us and saying, well, you know, you deserve this and you deserve that. Can you imagine a, <laughs> imagine a father? If you're my son, you know, he's now an old man. But anyhow, <laughs> he's not an old man. He's 40-something, but anyhow. Imagine whenever he, if he was a kid hanging on a tree, you know, hanging out, playing in a tree. And I said, don't you go up in that tree without me being around, okay? And guess what? He goes up in the tree and he's hanging there. I'm not out there. And he goes, Dad, Dad, come save me. And I said, well, have you been nice to your sister? (laughs) Did you clean your room lately? Have you done anything wrong lately? Rhonda, (laughs) what has he been doing? No, if I did that, I wouldn't be much of a father. I'd jump and run and try to make sure he didn't fall. See, our Father is not waiting for us to fail. He's waiting for us to turn. The aha moment in our weakness and come to the Father. And what is it? He says, I've sinned. No longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be. I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to sit in this seat and preach or teach. You know, I'm not worthy to do this. But it's only his righteousness and his call upon my life that helps me to be this. I have weaknesses. I have flaws. We all have damaged goods. But we must go forward. But the father said to him, to the servants, quickly, bring out the best robe. You're going to represent me well, son. Give him a ring. Put sandals on his feet. The ring is the insignia that whatever he wants, he can get. (laughs) So you see, divine character 
is not that we have character flaws. That's not the point. But we have a reflection of the God whose character loves us, who is rich in mercy and grace and strength. He forgives us. And from the position of forgiveness and restoration, I find that God is helping me to become. So, his older brother, (laughs) you know, his older brother, he's in the field, he doesn't know what's going on, he hears the party going on, he comes and finds out. And I, I liken this older brother to someone or some people I've known way long time ago in the past. And uh, they, are, they are stagnant individuals who sit with their arms closed in, in church and count the ceiling tile while I preach, you know. <laughs> and they, you know, say, move me, move me. And, and they kind of come to this place where they say, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to do or move or change because for some of the reason. And you see, being stagnant in this case of the older son, I did all the right things, but you never gave me what I wanted. And later on, he, just, he says, but the older brother became angry. You want to know what the characteristic of the, the, the man who stood, you know, did his thing and looked at it. He was always angry. He was resentful. And he was not willing to go in with other people. That's what the older brother was. And you see, you can tell whenever you're that older brother when you become angry, resentful, not willing to go in. And his father came out and began to plead with him. He said, this is all yours. But he couldn't see beyond what he had done and not been rewarded for. And that's whenever, these many years I have served you. You've never, you've never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me so much as a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. You know what kind of a father you are, God? (laughs) You haven't given me anything, and here are all these whatever going on and on. So, he goes on, but when this other son of yours arrived, who who has devoured your estate with immoral women, and and you slaughtered the fatted calf for him, see how resentful he is? I've been here, and I've beat myself up for you, and I got nothing for it. And the father said to him, Son, you just didn't see it correctly. All that is mine is yours. And and the point of all of this is anger, resentment, hatred, bitterness, let it go. Because if everything that God has, he wants to give to us, it's all in his good time, and he wants our character, our person, to be able to handle it. The prodigal son, he couldn't handle it. He squandered it. 
The guy who lived in it couldn't see it. The son who stayed there couldn't see what was his. So here we are in our moment of, aha, uh-huh. <laughs> am I one of these two? And you don't have to raise your hand and say, I'm not, no. What is going on in our heart? And the challenge is for us to open up and be grateful, <laughs> open up and be peaceful, open up and allow what God has done for us. You see, divine character, God does not lack and we do not lack. Everything that God has is ours. Everything, that the blessing of ours, the blessing of God is come into our life and now we are called upon to receive it. So are we willing to receive? Are we willing to give? Are we willing to allow the, the blessing of God to flow into our life? Are we allowed to be the recipient of God's blessing? Can we give ourselves permission to say, yes, Lord, I receive your blessing. I will not squander it, and I will not be resentful. I will not use it over other people, but I will use it to bless other people for their lives and their efforts. I will be strong in your grace and your mercy. I will be blessed by you, and I will bless others. You see, all that God has is ours, and the character, the divine character is, I want to be reflective of God's character in me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. (laughs) Sufficient grace. (laughs) Do you have sufficient grace to put up with a pastor? (laughs) Do you have sufficient grace to, if he steps on your toes? I didn't, I didn't mean to. God did. (laughs) It's all blaming on God. It's not my fault. (laughs) But sufficient grace, God, we need you. We need your grace. And Lord, we open our hearts that we might be receptive. May May we understand what the Father is trying to tell us. Everything that I have is yours. So whenever we pray, when we come to the Lord, Remember, everything that he has is already ours. We don't need to be angry because <laughs> he'll heal. We don't need to be greedy because we've got more than enough. We don't need to be selfish because God has blessed us to bless others. So, Lord, let your grace and your mercy guide us in our receiving and in our giving. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Bless you.